1 Samuel uh, chapter 18 this morning. And I want to preach a very uh, uh, a message this morning I believe is relevant for uh, lots of us today. Many of us this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 20 uh, through to 21. And as you're turning, they're probably one of the most uh, greatest authors of the 19th century was a guy named Samuel Clements. And you probably know him better as Mark Twain. He's this uh, author who wrote Huckleberry Finn, uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Life on the Mississippi, etc., etc. Anyway, he met and fell in love with a young Christian woman named Olivia. Uh, she was this born-again Christian, saved, went to church, loved God with all her heart. Her parents were devout Christians. And so here comes this Mark Twain fella. Here comes this Mark Twain guy onto the scene to try and swoop her off her feet. And now he's got a bad reputation. He definitely wasn't a good prospect for a husband. And so his chances on this girl, this woman, uh, wasn't too good in his eyes. So he decides what he'll do. He decides to meet up with the family. I mean, he's kind of he's swift. He decides to meet up with the family, uh, stays with them for two weeks, and then asks the dad to marry the daughter. And the daughter gives him a chill response, no. And even Olivia says no to him. And so, you know, you think, oh, wow, good story. Ends there. No, the story doesn't end there. To achieve his goal on marrying the girl, he started pretending to be a Christian. Yeah, he started going to church. He decided to give up his worldly habits, swearing, smoking, uh, drinking. He started going to church, trying to look good on the outward. But yet again, he was rejected twice from, his, from the dad and also from Olivia. And so his attempts were failing. He was getting frustrated. He's getting, you know what, uh, anxious about this. And so he starts exchanging letters and tries to win her over. He's exchanging details and debating on issues of family and faith. And one biography writer says about the, the history about him, says their opinions were radically different. And yet despite these differences, Mark became determined to marry Olivia. And, you know, he's pretending to go to church. He's looking good uh, in front of the family. He's looking good uh, on the outward. And so what ends up happening, he receives the green light to marry her. They both get married. And then all of a sudden, history books confirm. Not long after the wedding, he says to her, I don't believe the Bible. He says, it contradicts my reason. He starts now beginning to mock the church. He writes to the pastor of the church. And he says, you know what, and, and he says to the pastor there, and he, this is the church he regularly, irregularly attended, he says, for a moment, sometimes I have been almost a believer. I mean, he's not even a Christian. He's like, oh, you almost had me. I almost became a Christian. And time goes by, you know, Mark Twain, he's openly mocking Christianity. And before you know it, Olivia stops attending church. And one biography writer says this, the fervor that she once embraced for God was never the same. They get married, he goes back on his vows, he goes back to his old ways. And what ends up happening in their marriage, one of the, uh, the oldest child passes away. And so now Olivia, she's stricken with grief. She's mourning for the loss. And listen to what this bozo has to say to her. He says, Livy, if it comforts you to lean on your faith, do so. And she responds, I cannot, I do not have any faith left. That's a sobering, sad story to start off a message. Oh, good preaching, Pastor, come on. That's a, that's a sad story. You can say, you know, it's like, but here it is, you know, this, here is this young Christian girl saved, living for God, and maybe had dreams one day to have a Christian family on her own, uh, but only to live a bitter, 
broken, backslidden life because she chose to marry Bozo. <laughs> and I'm preaching this because, you know what, I got three kids. I got two girls and I got a shotgun ready. <laughs> I got two girls, one boy, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm training my children. You know, they're only young, but I say, hey, listen, there's going to be a time when you, you get to a certain age where you have to decide who you're going to have to marry. I'm preaching this because as a pastor of the church, a shepherd of the flock, so many young people here this morning that, you know what, you're going to have to make a decision. And it's a very important decision that you're going to have to, you have to, you're going to make. One person said this, it's better to be single than to marry the wrong person and be miserably married. Come on now. So I want to preach a message this morning. Don't marry Bozo. Or if you're a girl, don't marry Bozetta. <laughs> Here we go. So in our text this morning, now Michael, verse 20, sorry, verse 20. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law today. God, I pray this morning, you take these mere words, Father, from this preacher. And God, you plant it in the hearts of men and women here this morning. Young and old, I pray. God, you begin to edify the church. Give us clear direction when it comes to marriage and when it comes to courting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, number one, let's consider the enemy and the trap. And let me give you a bit of context around this particular story. Uh, this particular chapter that we've just read, right? Uh, it's written just after David has killed Goliath. Uh, we all know the story, David and Goliath, right? You know, it takes a sling, kills this, you know, massive dude. And so it's written just after that. And so Saul, the commander, the, the, the king, he's so pleased with David. He's like, David. Man, you're the man. You need to come. You need to work for me. And David is now commander chief uh, over the men of war. And so what ends up happening is now David has favor with the men of war. And he's also got favor over Saul's own servants. So he's, man, he's, 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 he's doing good. Uh, it says in the Bible that throughout uh, this chapter that David behaved wisely and Saul feared him. Uh, but then we get to a certain point now where David and his army, these men, they come home from a victory. It's like an amazing story. Here they come. They're like, yeah, they're coming back. And you know what they're singing? They're singing in verse 7. Oh, Saul slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. I mean, man, they've got the tambourines out. They've got the, the instruments. Like, man, they're singing a number one hit song. David, David is ten thousands. Yeah. I don't know how it goes, but I think that's how it went. <laughs> And so David is like, you know, everyone's singing a song, man. It's like, yeah, yeah, high five. Everyone's, so just word's gone out. And Israel's like, man, David's the man. I can see the ladies like, whoo, man, he's he fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my eyes on him. Oh. And so here it is. So, so Saul hears this and he's vexed. He's, he's irritated. He's, he's angry. He's ticked. Verse 9, look at the story. So Saul, I, David, from that day forward. Other translations says that Saul viewed him with suspicion. In other words, David, from that day forward, David became Saul's enemy. Saul's enraged, he's angry, he tries to kill David. David escapes and Saul's trying to pin him down. Saul's trying to get him. And so he couldn't trap him. And so he sees an opportunity. He sees now that his own daughter, who has a name called Michael, and uh, <laughs> that's another sermon, 
And so he sees his own daughter, Michael, who loves David, and David loves Michael. And so he sees, whoo, that's an opportune time. I'm going to send her as a snare to him. And I'm preaching this this morning because, listen, church, young people here today, you have an enemy. You have your own personal King Saul who wants to keep you from your destiny. You have somebody who's sent them towards you to try and take you away from the destiny God has intended for you. And I want to say to you this morning, you do have a real enemy. John 10 verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, Saul looks at this arena of relationship and he says, this is an opportune time for me to now get David. Luke chapter 4, 13, another story where Jesus is, is being tempted. And watch this, verse 13 of Luke chapter 4. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. You see, your enemy is waiting for an opportune time to come and get you. He's waiting for the right opportunity. And listen, this morning, uh, you, he's waiting for this season. He's waiting for this time where, you know what, maybe you're doing well. Everyone's like, man, he's the man. She's the, she's the girl, man. She's doing really well. And then he waits. He's like, man, how can I get them? They're on fire for God. They're loving Jesus. And then all of a sudden, there's this matchmaking happening here. And the enemy goes, whoa, that's the one. I'm going to now send something in this area to try and rob their destiny. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You have an enemy, church. Don't think like you're just going to get involved in church and it's like, oh, smooth sailing. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. You washed my sins away. Oh, happy day. Oh, man, I'm telling you, you have an enemy. <laughs> and not only do you have an enemy that's out there to destroy you, you have the cares of the world ready to distract you. Come on, if the devil can't destroy, he's going to distract you. Oh, can I preach today? He's going to come in and he's like, if he can't destroy you, he's going to look to distract you. I want to say you might be a super spiritual person this morning. You might be a man of the word, woman of the faith. You got everything in order, have the, all the good qualities. Praise God, thank God for that. But even Paul says that this particular stage of your life, as you begin to look into a relationship, this is a very vulnerable stage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul makes his case about marriage and he goes down and into verse 32, but he's making his case saying unmarried people are, are so focused on God. They're not distracted. They, they, they're so focused. They're determined to serve God. And listen to verse 32. It says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares, cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. You see, if you're a single person here this morning and you're not, say, uh, you're not, you're not married yet, listen, why don't you, you know, do that? Say, you know what, I'm going to please the Lord with my life. I'm going to, you know what, there's no distractions. I don't have to go and please someone here at the stage. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to give myself. Don't look at your, your, your season of loneliness as, as some, you know what, some sort of, uh, you know what, uh, where, where it's just witchcraft. Oh, man, I'm under this. No, you see it as an opportunity. Man, you can live life to the fullest. And God's given you this season to live in. But here it is, you know what, the devil begins to play with things. He's waiting for an open, uh, opportune time. And he says, you know, to be a snare to him, to be a trap to him. 
And like all traps, it's made to look alluring, fascinating. It's to look desirable. You know, can I tell you, sin fascinates, but then it assassinates. I want to tell you, not all traps aren't made to make you feel good. It's not made to, it's made to trap you, to get you. And the enemy comes into this vulnerable arena of relationship to trap you. I mean, I'm saying today, you know what? He might be six foot chocolate skin. (laughs) Looks good, but he got an anger problem. He got unpure motives. Oh, she comes to church, tight dress with the worldly low and behold. <laughs> but you know, hey, oh, whoa, she's, you know, she's got a character that seeks to distract. If the devil can't destroy, he will distract. You know, I'm, I'm preaching this because, you know what, I've been saved, being a Christian for over 16 years of my life. I've been married now for, man, over 13 years now. And, I'm, and so I'm preaching this. I'm preaching this because, you know what, I've, I've seen some things happen and I've seen some unfortunate events take place. And so I'm, I'm praying, I said, God, what would you want to have preached? And it's like, you know what, preach on this. And this was a struggle. I was like, Man, okay, God, you know what, yep, yep, you preach on this. Because you know what, I've seen many times people, guests say, they come into church, they're doing so well, they're doing so good. But all of a sudden, you know, some guy comes on or, or some girl comes on along the scene. And all of a sudden, it's now, you know, they're falling away, distracted, destroyed. I'm preaching this because there's just like the soul. He sent somebody right there to be a snare. God is so interested. Can I tell you this morning? He's interested in the details of your life. He's so concerned about who you're going to marry. He's so concerned about your destiny that he doesn't want you to be allured by the things of the world. He doesn't want you to be distracted by the, 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 you know what, the fancy things and what the world concerns. This is a good God. This is a good, listen, no, this ain't the world. This is the kingdom. And God's so concerned about who you're going to marry. And I want to say to every young man and every young boy, uh, every young girl, don't settle for Bozo or Bezetta. Let's talk about number two. Number two, don't preheat the oven if you're not going to bake a cake. Oh, I'm going there this morning. (laughs) Don't preheat the oven if you're not going to bake a cake. To all the Christian brothers, listen this morning. If you ain't going to marry her, don't lead her on. And Bruno Mars sang a song, Marry You. We all know this song. It's a beautiful night. (laughs) We're looking for something dumb to do. Hey, baby, I think I want to marry you. It's the look in your eyes or is it this dancing juice? Who cares, baby? I think I want to marry you. Man, I, you know, don't get me wrong. It's, a, it's definitely a catchy song. And, but you know what? Here it is. You know what? Could it be that the Christian culture has adapted this and it's like, you know what? Marriage is just a dumb idea now. You know, marriage oh, is dumb, something dumb to do. Let's, you know, and so this, the marriage on people's minds in the Christian world, it's like, you know what? They don't even want to get married anymore. And so Saul says, I'll give her to him that she may be a snare to him. The term snare is actually translated bait. Ladies, be careful. Don't, don't, you know what, that you're not being used as bait. Be careful that, you know what, hey, he, is he in this relationship to marry you? Are you in this relationship to marry each other? Because there's a difference between Christian courting and worldly dating. Can I get an amen today? Amen. The word courtship says a period during which a Christian couple develop a relationship with the intention of marriage. Don't preheat the oven if you're not going to bake a cake. Is the intention of marriage. 
Throughout the Bible, courtship is found time and time again. Isaac and Rebecca, we know the story of Jacob and, and Rachel, how he had to work seven years. We know the story of Ruth and Boaz. And so the Bible is filled with so many accounts of stories of courtship that moves towards marriage. And so many times you see people, they get together instead of honoring God and you are moving forward towards marriage. The enemies set a trap and they become distracted. They fall into sexual immorality. They become carnal. They fail. They backslide and they're never seen in church. Not saved. They become like Olivia. Bitter for the rest of their lives. Bitter, miserable throughout their marriage. Amen. Don't preheat the oven if you're not going to bake a cake. And thirdly, and I close, choosing the right one. Choosing the right one. You know, I'm praying. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to give you, okay, what to look for, what I, you know, what. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you some things that I consider as wisdom uh, from the Holy Ghost. I'll give you some scriptures to back it up as well, but. Something that I've learned throughout, you know, in my life as a, as a young man and just even going to conferences and being involved in marriage seminars. You know, number one, when you consider choosing the right one, is he or she on the right path? All right. Is he or she on the right path? Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. But because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. You see, you can't court someone else if they're not on the same path as you. You know what, if they're not on the narrow path, if they're not walking according to the word of God, they're not coming, you know what, to, to, to shape their lives in church according to the word. Listen, that, that's not the right path. They're not on the right path. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14, Listen very carefully. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Where am I getting at? It's simple. You're not looking for perfection. You're looking for direction. Ladies, you're not looking for Mr. Perfect. And he's got, he's got to have everything in order. You know, so, no, you're looking, is he on the right path? Is he going in the right direction? And number two, and I close with this thought, does he or she make you to be a better man or a better woman? Oh, yes, he <laughs> Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now that word comparable means a counterpart. It means to complete him. And I want to say this, man is not complete until he's married. A wife completes the man that moves them now towards their destiny, that moves them towards a direction, a purpose. And a word for the ladies, listen, you, 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 you complete him. You're not going to change him. Let me say that again. You complete him. You're not going to change him. Don't think that, you know what, oh, he's going to change after he gets married. No, no, no. Don't think, oh, you know what, flirt to convert. If I can just maybe, you know, maybe get him to church. No, that ain't going to work. Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If he's all just about his own business, if he's all about himself, is he, is he, you know what, does he show things? Does he make you be a better man or a better woman? I'm telling you right here because when you get involved with someone and you know what, they're, they're not righteous, they're not living for God, they're not on the right path. They don't make you feel or get into a better person. I'm telling you what, that's not the person you want to marry. 
Lots of women make this mistake. They see a guy, they know that the path he's on is the wrong one. They say, man, I'll, I'll marry him. Somehow try and change his direction. Listen, direction is not perfection. Is he or she faithful to church? Is he faithful to God? Because I'm telling you, how do you expect him to be faithful to you if he's not faithful to God? How is he with his emotions? Is he a tantrum thrower? Is she a, someone who has an anger issue? I'm telling you what, because if you find yourself and you see these things many times, and I'm, I've heard it so many times through pastoral counseling, it's like, oh, did you see that in the beginning when you caught it? Yes, I did. That's your answer right there. That years of marriage could have been avoided because they chose to be with someone who had an issue. How is he with his emotions? And you know, I would say, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Because he's in the business of changing people. However, you're entering into this arena that is so vulnerable that the devil is looking for opportune times. But I want to remember this. Is he or she on the right path? And do they make you a better man or a woman? I'll close with this story. Ulysses Grant. When he was a young man, he was courting a young woman named Julia Dent. During their courtship, Ulysses took her out for a quad bike or for a ride. And they came to a flooded creek and needed to cross over. But the bridge was flimsy. Grant tells Julia, don't be frightened, he said. I'll look after you. Well, Julia replied, I shall cling to you whatever happens. And true to her word, she clung tightly to Grant's arm. And as they drove safely across the bridge, Grant continued on without saying a word. Then finally, he stopped the buggy, cleared his throat and said, Julia, you said back there that you would cling to me whatever happened. Would you cling to me for the rest of our lives? <laughs> you see, here is a man that would become a general for the United States and eventually the president of America. And you ask him, what was the secret? What was your secret? He'd say, you know what? It was because of my wife. She made me be a better man. She completes me. I want to say today, you know what? Good men, godly men are inspired by someone who sees something in them. They're not after your looks. They're, they're not, you know, this ain't the world. They're, not, they're, they're after someone who's uh, issue faithful. Is, you know, that's, that's real talk right here. Does he make you, ladies, does he make you feel like a queen? An old couple laying in bed one night. This is something that, you know, you look forward to getting married. Listen to this. An old couple laying in bed one night. The lady turns to the man and says, I remember when we were young. You used to tell me you love me. Grudgingly, the man replies, of course I love you. <laughs> the lady says, I remember when we were young. You would hold me closely, caress me in your arms. With a sigh, the man puts his arms around his wife and holds her close for a moment. And then she continues, and I remember when we were young. You used to nibble with my ear. With that, the man abruptly threw off the covers, got up and walked across the bedroom. What's wrong, dear, said his wife. He replied, I got to go get my teeth. <laughs> Marry the right one. <laughs> That's something you look forward to when you get older. No. <laughs> Don't marry Bozo. Don't marry Bozetta. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. <laughs> wisdom from the word of God aren't you grateful for that today 
Every head bowed and every eye is closed. God cares about you and who you marry. He cares about your future and your destiny. Because I'm telling you, when you get married, you don't want to have a miserable marriage. You want to, it was something that's like, you know what? It's moving forward towards destiny and purpose. You don't want to have someone hold you back. And again, I say, you know what? Thank God for His grace, His mercy. But this is an arena where you start looking into, it becomes a vulnerable stage where the enemy seeks an opportune time to get you. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. You're here this morning. You're not saved. Your heart's not right with God. I want to tell you, the Bible says our sins are what separate us from a loving God. That, you know, one day we are going to have to stand before God. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. Brother, sister, where will you spend eternity? No one looking around, no one moving. God loves you and He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to give you a future and a hope. You're here this morning, your heart's not right with God. You know that. I don't want to belabor that point. You're not saved. Your heart's not right. Why don't you lift it up and say, that's me, pastor. That's me. Lift it up. Lift it up. Say, yes, I'm not right with God. I need Jesus in my life to forgive me. No one looking around. This is just between you and God. He loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to give you eternal life. You're not saved. Your heart's not right with God. Lift it up. God loves you. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you once had a relationship with Jesus, but you're away from God. Today's the day. Today's the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Come back home. Don't spend the rest of your life trying to search for things, material things, relationships. Don't waste your time. Search no more. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one that will satisfy your longing desires. Don't look to the world. Let Jesus fulfill you. Let Him forgive you. If that's you this morning, you're not saved. You're not right with God. Lift it up. No one looking around. Lift it up. Amen. Turning to the church preaching this message because it needs to be anchored in our spirit into our church that you know what we're when we're raising disciples young men young women need to know who they're looking for who's the rightful candidate as a pastor as a shepherd of this congregation need 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 to minister on these certain topics to shepherd the flock the wolves in sheep's clothing you you know that and so a pastor needs to know listen let's keep moving forward but watch out there's wolves in sheep's clothing while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, every young person you're hearing this message, God's speaking to you. God's speaking to you, dealing with your heart. Maybe, you know what, there's, there's relationships that you're involved in. It's like, man, I, I need to have this discussion. You have that discussion. Put God first. Righteousness over relationships. Watch Jesus begin to fulfill and unravel amazing, amazing chapters of fulfilling stories in your life, ready to be untold. Don't settle for second best. God has number one. God has someone for you. Don't feel saddened in your loneliness, in your singleness. No, no, no. Stay faithful to God. He provides. He is the Lord of the rings. Come on, somebody. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. All things shall be added. Amen. Church, these altars are open. Let's come. Come to the front. Come to the altar. Just pray. Say, God, I'm praying for a, a godly husband. Come to the altar. Say, God, yep, here I am, Lord Jesus. Maybe you, you want to pray for, you know what, there's certain people that you want to pray for. Come out of your seat. Just say, God, I'm praying for so-and-so. Their relationship. Come on. Let's come and pray. Let's pray for this church. That there'll be a revival in marriages. There'll be a, a supernatural wave of people who have these convictions that say, you know what, Yep, we're in this. We're not going to preheat the oven and just, you know, not going to bake a cake. Well, we're in this for real. Come, let's lay a hold of God this morning.
Lord Jesus, fill these altars, God. Fill, Lord God, I pray. Minister upon your church this word. Seal it in our hearts, oh God. I pray for every wavering person, Father God. Lord Jesus is looking down this avenue. God, I pray your, your word today convict. And Lord, I pray this morning that would bring a change and a challenge. Lord God, that true godliness comes a cost. Lord God, that true godliness comes with a cost of purity, sacrifice. Oh, I pray God this morning, Lord Jesus, for the single man and single woman today. God, I pray you raise them up to be mighty warriors. God, that they would not be distracted, but be devoted. I pray, Jesus, that you'd raise up a church, holy and righteous, God, ready to do your will. I pray, God, raise up young women, Lord God, that are even in our nursery, that are even in our Sunday schools. God, I pray for a godly husband for them. I pray for godly wives for them, God. I pray for our church, God, there are many young men and women here today. I pray, God, for good, godly men and women. Lord, your word says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I pray, God, that you open up the windows of heaven. I pray, God, that you begin to help people in their walk with you to be secure, to be saved and sanctified. God, minister in this altar this morning. Jesus, we're praying, God, that you'd meet with us today. Change hearts, Lord God. Fill this place with your presence. Oh, Ramama Ramamaso. Jesus, we worship you here this place. Oh, Lord God, we bless your holy name. We praise your name, Jesus.